welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. We started a new theme last week. Pastor Scott was here and it's called Think, Speak, Act. <laughs> Pastor Scott spoke about our speaking, the power of our words. Today we're going to focus and have a look at the power of our thoughts, the power of our thinking. And um, But before I get into the message, I just want to have a look at this word, the mind. So we can all be thinking about something different. It's a bit hazy, I think, can be a bit unclear what the word mind actually is. And um, you may not go away with a whole pile of clarity <laughs> with what I'm going to show you, but hopefully you have a little bit more. Um, Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The original Hebrew word for heart is actually soul. So you can read it, as a man thinks in his soul, so is he. So is he. And here we have a man. <coughs> There's a lovely man with a big heart and he has a soul as well. So as a man thinks in his heart or his soul, so is he. I think most of us understand that our soul includes our mind, our will, and our emotions. So maybe we could say, as a man thinks in his mind, will, and emotions, so is he. Don't get confused. <laughs> so my point really is when you hear the word mind day, I don't want you just to be thinking about how smart you are, about our intellect. And if you hear the word heart, I don't just want you to be thinking about gushy-mushy feelings. Okay, our mind is bigger. Somewhere in there is our experiences, our knowing, our feelings, our thoughts, our ideas, our beliefs, the images we see, our memories, our reasoning, and our will. The Passion Bible translates this beautifully. It says, for as a man thinks within himself, so is he. So when you hear the word mind, we're talking about everything that's within you. Okay, there's only two mock kinds of minds that we're talking about as believers. The first kind of mind is a single-minded believer. A single-minded believer loves the Lord with all their heart and all their soul and all mind and they get to experience peace, beautiful peace. The other kind, however, not so much peace. James 4, verse 6 to 9 says that God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And then he says, Therefore submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. God gives grace to the humble. Okay. The power of our thoughts. We're going to have a look at three questions today about the power of our thoughts. And our first question. Can I just say too, um, if you're a note taker, you're probably going to find it hard to write down everything that I'm saying today. I've got a lot to say. And um, so I'm sure that this will get podcast or I can send you the notes. Probably get more out of it if you listen and let the Holy Spirit say to you what he wants to say to you okay <laughs> what does the bible question one what does the bible tell us about 
our thoughts. The Apostle Paul addresses our thought life in a very practical way, which I love. He gives us a lot of do's and don'ts. But the important thing to remember as we're listening to these today, some of these points, it's the Holy Spirit who transforms us and changes us. We're given do's and don'ts to help us and to point us to Jesus who transforms us and changes us. Amen? Cool. So we're going to have a look at three scriptures that Paul talks about our thoughts. The first one is 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5. He says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. What's Paul telling us in this passage about our thought life? He's telling us that there's a battle in our thoughts. There's a battle in our mind. He's telling us that he's given us, that God has given us divine spiritual weapons that are well able to demolish, to destroy, to dismantle, to pull down what? Strongholds, arguments and pretensions. What a stronghold. Strongholds are deeply entrenched thought patterns. It's the stuff you think about over and over again. Maybe it's a mindset. What are arguments? They're reasonings. Message Bible says that they're deceptive fantasies that we throw around and around in our minds. And what are pretensions? It's every proud and lofty thought. And so Paul says we're in a battle, we've got divine weapons to destroy strongholds, arguments and pretensions that what? That set themselves up against the knowledge of God. Paul is asking us, is our mind clogged up with negative stuff that consumes thought life, useless arguments and proud self-centred thoughts that stop me from knowing God, that get in the way of my knowing God. He's telling me that my helpful thinking can stop me from hearing and seeing the truth. He's warning us that our strongholds, our arguments, our proud thoughts are like a big fat giant wall that stops us from coming face to face with the one who is truth. What do we do? We demolish them. We completely destroy them. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. This is the battle. We take it by force. And then what does Paul tell us to do? When all these new random thoughts come floating into our mind, take them captive. Thoughts come and go. I can't control every thought that comes into my mind, but I can control what I do with them once they get there. If I allow a thought to stay in my mind, if I take hold of it, it'll grab my attention. It may captivate me. I may end up choosing to entertain that thought and dwell on it. I may even become enslaved to it and a prisoner of it. Thoughts provoke feelings that want to take root. We need to take them captive, violently captive. Life's battles are won or lost in the mind. Amen? 
Okay, our second script that Paul talks about thoughts is from Romans 12, verse 2. And he says, Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. To understand God's will for my life, there needs to be a change. Some of us like change, some of us don't. My thinking needs to be renewed. If my thinking is not renewed, I'm going to be in danger of either being conformed instead of transformed. As a man is in his heart, so is he. The life I have is a reflection of the thoughts that I think. If I want my life to head in the direction of God's will, I need transformation. How does that happen? By the renewing of my mind. By the renewing of everything that's within me. God transforms us. The word renewal actually means to renovate. Anyone love renovating? <laughs> I'm just about to go into a week's holidays and I'm going to do a bit of renovating in my spare room. Um, there are some thoughts that need clearing out of your minds and there are some fresh new ones, pure, lovely, good ones that need to move in. If I don't allow God to change the way I think, my life will not change and I won't be able to discern his will. Tell the person on your right, you need a serious makeover. <clears throat> hey. <laughs> Only on your right. <laughs> okay. The third scripture where Paul addresses our thought life is in Philippians um, chapter 4, verse 4 to 7. Let's have a look at this one. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone, for the Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. The peace of God can guard my heart and my mind. Wow. I think Paul's on to something there. <laughs> That's a great place to meditate for a while. The authority that Paul had to be so direct with us in this verse and tell us to not worry about anything, That's like anything, came from the fact that he was writing the letter while he was in jail. He wasn't um, late with a bill. The house wasn't dirty. <laughs> he was in prison. He was in prison and he said, don't worry about anything. Paul was encouraging the Christians in Philippi to rejoice in the Lord always and to not worry about anything. My life will always move in the direction of my strongest thought. Okay, second question. We've got three questions. That was the first question. What does the Bible tell us about our thoughts? Second question. Why are our thoughts so powerful? First thing is because we have a lot of them. On average, scientists say that we have about 70,000 thoughts every day. I used to be a really negative person and I was thinking like, man, I probably would have had 
most of those 70,000 negative thoughts a day. Scary. (laughs) Has anyone here ever had an irrational thought, a not good thought? Not just me. A couple of years ago now, I was driving through a suburb in Perth, just driving to visit someone. And I was driving up the road and I could see there was a man standing in the middle of the road, just, just a little bit up the road. And as I got closer, he had this beautiful big smile on his face, a really friendly guy. I was really taken by his big smile. And um, he was just standing there and he was smiling at me as I was driving closer to him. And um, as I got quite close, all of a sudden he bent down to the ground, came back up with a giant rock in his hand. His smile was gone and he threw it straight at my windscreen, straight at my head. And... Um, and then he lunged for the door handle. I'd left the door by that stage and sped up. He lunged for my door handle and I just sped off and went off. <clears throat> now, every time I see someone standing in the middle of the road, I get nervous. And if I see someone standing in the middle of the road and they're smiling, <laughs> I want to speed up really quickly and just keep going. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only one that has thoughts that we don't like our minds from experiences that we've had. I want to have a look at two areas really quickly that may help explain why our thoughts are so powerful. They really are, aren't they? The first area, A, our thoughts direct my focus. (coughs) What I focus on becomes magnified. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says that you will keep in perfect peace all who trust you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Perfect peace, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. We can only have one thought in our mind at a time. I cannot trust and then not believe at the same time. Is what I'm thinking about fueling trust or fear? Trust or doubt? I want to explain to you what happens, why, why fear, the power of fear in our thought life is so powerful, what happens um, in our body. See something that I like, whether it's good or bad, but I like it. <clears throat> um, dopamine is released to my bloodstream. And dopamine is like a, a legal drug, your buzz makes you feel good. So I've seen something that I like. Dopamine floods my body. As I think that thought more often, my brain creates a neural pathway. And um, they say that we've got about 100 trillion neural pathways in our brain. So I'm thinking a thought that I like. It might even be a sinful thought, but I like it. Dopamine comes and um, I keep thinking that thought. It's a little bit like you're walking across a patch of grass, pat, wet, tall grass, um, footprints in the grass. Then when I think that thought again, the footprints become more. I keep thinking that thought and all of a sudden the footprints become a path. The next time I head that way, it's easier to walk that way because the path's already there. The more I think a thought, the easier it is to think that thought again. That group of thoughts then, if I don't take them captive, 
They become my focus, my default setting, a mindset. Neural pathways form our brain. Paul calls them strongholds. Life's battles are won or in the mind. And the battles between truth and Satan's lies, that's the battle. A double-manded mind is tossed to and fro by his very next thought. Every thought that comes in and out is tossed to and fro. A double-minded man. We cannot doubt and believe at the same time. God's truth that I know is that God wants to use me. I know that's truth. I hear the lie all the time, be too old. Who battles that lie? It's like, I know God wants to use me, but I hear all the time, but you're too old. What have I learnt to do? I've learnt to take it captive. It keep coming, but I take it captive. I'm really swift now, mate. He can throw it at me as many times as he wants to. I take it captive. Or I've had it laid on me before and I didn't get healed. What lie comes? I'm never going to get healed. Paul told us to take those thoughts captive. The more I think a thought, the easier it is to think that thought again. My life is always moving in the direction of my strongest thought. If I'm not happy with the direction that my life is going, I need to change my focus. When I capture a thought, I replace it with truth. I refocus on what is true, what is good, what is noble, what is upright, what is honourable, what is loving. A new neural pathway is formed in my brain. The desire to think the old way fades. Because as I'm walking this, as I'm walking this new path, thinking good things, the grass is springing back up in that old path and the path is disappearing. And it's more difficult to go back. As this happens, the Holy Spirit is renewing my mind. If I don't allow God to change the way I think, my life will not change. The second reason thoughts can be so powerful is because they can blur our limbs. Just as focus strengthens and magnifies what I think about, focusing on something negative... And untrue with a blurry lens distorts it, distorts what I'm seeing. A blurred lens creates errors in how I process and interpret information. It's like a mental filter or lens that affects how I think. It's really important. Personal belief that is maybe not true. For me, every time I see... Someone, even if it's an old lady, standing in the middle of the row, smiling, I take extreme caution. Experiences and the lies that we believe can distort and cloud our thinking. For example, do you remember the first time that you bought a pair of sunnies and put them on? 
You went outside and you looked up at the sky and you went, oh my goodness, I have never seen these colours in the sky before. It's a new sky. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> I'll, I'll walk into my house and um, forget to take them off. I'll go inside and um, I'll walk up to my beautiful husband and i look at him and say, you look horrible. You're yellow and pale. <laughs> what happened? My lens was blurry. The lens or the filter that I see things through changes the view and can what monkey. It can shift my perspective and distort my reality. It's really important. My thinking always default to the lens I formed because of the lies that I believed. This is why two people can be in the exact same situation and see things so differently. When I see a lady in the middle of the road or even like a young mother, and this is, I'm telling you, this is true, I've thought this. When I see a young mother in the middle of the road, if she was smiling, you'd see a, a, a lovely young lady uh, with a pram and a baby. In my mind, that pram's full of stones. The facts are not different. The lens is different. God will not always take me out of a situation, but he will help me to shift my perspective to see it from his point of view. I can't control what happens to me, but I can choose which lens I see it through. Amen? This is great to use when your thinking gets cloudy. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God who are called according to his purpose. It's a beautiful lens. Okay, how are we going? Whoa, okay. Question three. So we know what the Bible says about our thoughts. We're in a battle. We need to change. God wants to renew my mind. And we should stop worrying because God wants to be at peace. Question three, how do we have the peace of God? How do we have it? The Apostle Paul um, mastered the battle for his mind. He really did. Being able to write what he wrote in the circumstances that he, he battled, he won the battle in his mind. And we had exactly the same divine power that he had. And we have about 70,000 thoughts a day bombarding us. How do we have the peace of God? Has anyone, here, has anyone here ever experienced God's peace? Yeah, probably most of us at some point. Has anyone here experienced God's peace 24 hours a day? Most time. Um, Paul, in, in our scripture, he gives us four keys that are helpful to us. The word is so powerful and such a beautiful gift from the Lord to help us if we want to experience a heart and a mind that are guarded by the peace of God. So back to Philippians 4, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Do not worry about anything. We understand how we can think the same thought over and over again when it's something that we enjoy. But why can minds be so easily caught up in worry and fear? My strongest thought will determine what my life looks like. 
worry and fear. One of the reasons, this is just one reason why fear is so powerful. is this tiny almond-shaped little thing in our brain that when I'm in danger releases adrenaline and, lets, and um, tells me to respond swiftly. It's called the amygdala. The amygdala. But when it responds and releases adrenaline, the logical part of my brain, which is my prefrontal cortex, shuts down and stops working, which means I can't think clearly. This whole thing can last up for about 18 minutes and they call this process the amygdala hijack, is what the scientists call it, the amygdala hijack. For example, if you walk to your front door and saw one of these, your, your amygdala hijack kicks into action and says danger and you run for your life. Yep, okay. If you're driving on the freeway and you see someone texting in the lane next to you, your amygdala hijack kicks in and says, change lanes and get out of the way. Danger. <laughs> the problem is our amygdala is not objective. With me, for example, when my prefrontal cortex is not working, when I see someone smiling in the middle of the road and they're probably just happy, I have a blurry lens. The truth is, worry really is the sin of not trusting in the promises of God. It's saying, God, I don't believe you are big enough to cover this. I don't trust you with this. We can blame our amygdala for all of our worries, but Paul would more truthfully say that we're letting our minds be dominated by sin. God gives grace to the humble. The good news is that we can change. It's good news, isn't it? Thank the Lord. Oh, my goodness. Just like all these beautiful butterflies that you've been seeing up on the screens, they don't start out beautiful. They transform. In fact, they go through a drastic transformation. I haven't got time to describe it. I'd love to describe what happens to a caterpillar when they put themselves in their cocoon and they transform. It's drastic. But they do transform. And the Holy Spirit's a wonderful transformer when we learn to take our thoughts captive, to develop new neural pathways. He can transform us. We can even take our amygdala hijack by the scruff of its neck and tell it that God gave me a prefrontal cortex that can make wise choices and I choose to believe God's word. I choose to trust my heavenly father. I choose to believe that he is with me. I choose to stop reacting to that. Amen. So Paul suggests stop worrying. <laughs> he tells us to do a couple of other things. <laughs> Back to Philippians 4 verse 6 and 7. He says, do not worry about anything, but, I love but, in everything, there's that word again, everything, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We can change. Supplication and thanksgiving. Thankfulness is, thankfulness is so powerful. It really is. The expressing of our thankfulness, you know it's got to come out. <laughs> Silent thankfulness doesn't really help anyone. And it does us so much good when we express it out loud. It demolishes worry. 
It dissolves doubt and fear in an instant. You've ever experienced that? It's so powerful. Fills your heart with faith. It fixes your focus on Jesus. It can overwhelm you with God's beautiful perspective on life. If my neural pathways aren't overflowing with thankfulness, they're going to be overflowing with something else. My strongest thought will determine what my life looks like. God wants us to bring our rest to him as well. In Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of God, to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Don't worry, come boldly. Don't worry, come boldly. 1 John 5.14 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I love you, Father. Take those thoughts captive. Allow God to change the way you think. And then cast your cares and give your burdens to God. How do we do that? I want to try and explain that for you. How do we cast our cares and give our burdens to God? We've all got a big box of worries. <laughs> we live in a broken world. Our minds are a bit crazy and we've got a lot of worries. I've got a Bill due next week and my teenage son just got his license and is driving unsupervised. Oh my goodness. We've all got worries. But in a moment of faith, you take whatever is worrying you and you present your request to God. And you say, God, I give this to you. Lord, take it. Take it. He's not doing anything with it. I'm taking it back. You ever given? Given your kids to God? They haven't changed. Take the worry back. Taking it back, God. Why do we do this? (laughs) The problem is that your God's too small. And your worries are too big. It's time to get a bigger God and have less worries. Amen. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Do not worry about anything, <laughs> but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I love this verse because Paul separates the word prayer from supplication and thanksgiving. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made to God. Prayer is so much more than just asking God for things. This word prayer that Paul uses in this verse, it actually literally means all of our communication with God. 
all our interaction with him. That's what the word prayer means. Don't worry about anything, but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known, God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. What a promise. What a promise. But we don't just take we don't just take our worries to him. We take our whole lives to him. And we become hidden in Christ in God. We take our whole lives. When I am in Christ, I have the mind of Christ. Prayer should bring us face to face with God. Prayer is intimacy. Prayer is communion. Prayer is bowing down. It's waiting. Prayer is seeing. Prayer always involves a yielded life to God. It always involves a surrender of everything. Prayer always involves a desperation and a need for God. It always has an altar of consecration and prayer always requires time. There's no substitute for time. And we are always transformed in his presence. Just as a caterpillar must surrender, it must surrender to the changes that have to happen to it to be transformed, so do we. He wants to renew your mind. And he'll do it. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.